Okay, so here we are. This is Jack. Is it Devlin? Is that how you say your last name? Yes, ma'am. Perfect. So we are on Chasing Easy, which is a podcast that's speaking to life's stuff. So there may be some things that are hard to hear, but this is all about truth and we're pretty direct. So we don't sugarcoat anything and we just let it be real, let it roll. So Jack, thank you, first of all, for agreeing to be on the podcast. And my question to you is, how did we meet? Let's start there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Teresa, and thanks a lot for having me on. Um, sure. Started talking a little bit about helping you with a little bit of work and very quickly was really interested in what the book that you had, had written was about and what your journey was about and, and, and asked that question. And, uh, and not, not too long after that, uh, the conversation was still going and, uh, and, and I was really intrigued with what you, you know, with what you were telling me and with your own journey. And then, uh, it became clear that maybe, um, uh, that maybe there was more to why we were talking than just helping getting a banner printed. Right. <clears throat> so along those lines, when you said we, we were talking about some work, so people don't think it was the plastic surgeon that I was talking to. Why don't you <laughs> tell us, <laughs> tell us what it, it what was I, Rich, this is your chance to plug the company, by the way. Gotcha. So I work for uh, a company called Bright Star Business Solutions, which is a locally owned and operated company in Harford County, Maryland. And we do all forms of uh, printing, mailing, advertising, anything from, uh, you know, T-shirts and promotional products to direct mailers to what we were talking about was stuff for book signing opportunities, banners, uh, posters flyers, anything to try and help anybody's name get out there. So on my day-to-day -day deal is uh, I'm trying to help people put their name in front of other people and hopefully help them help their businesses grow. Okay, very good. So for those of you listening that are looking for somebody to get some print material, t-shirts, you know who to call, Bright Star, right? Call Jack. Please is and thank you. Number? Is there a phone number that, that you can share? Absolutely. Yeah, my cell phone. 323-810-5989. Again, that's my cell, 323-810-5989. All right. <clears throat> so enough of the commercials. So we are going to get right into why we're here. So we were having a conversation. You were going to do some banners and flyers for me, and I told you it was for a book. And at this point, you still didn't have any idea what the book was about. So right. then you said... Do you mind if I ask you what the book is about? And I said, of course not. And in a nutshell, what I told you was, it was my story about faithless living to faith-fueled living. And there was a pause. That pause <laughs> felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably more like 10 seconds, right? And then what did you share with me after that pause? Something to the effect of, that sounds a lot like my life. And so that's why we're here. Yeah. So I want to hear more about what specifically spoke to you and what was triggered as far as emotions or experiences, because the whole purpose behind this podcast is to help other people know that they're not alone if they're struggling mm -hmm. and to know that there is hope, but we have to make sure where that hope is directed is something that's going to be life-sustaining. Yeah. Man. Tell us about... What, what, what happened in your life 
where that spoke to you? Yeah. Um, it's a big question. <laughs> you know, it's a lot. It's, it's a big a lot. question. It is a big question. I love what you just said, which is that we have to figure out where that hope is coming from or directed towards, and it needs to be life-sustaining. Because uh, this is, you know, also just one of those things that came to me as I heard the title of the book, you know, and the podcast, right? Chasing Easy, which is, you know, for me, that word a lot of times is relief, ease and comfort, um, some sense of feeling okay for a very short amount of time, you know, uh, and, uh, and this was a journey of my life for many years. This was, uh, you know, when I was a younger, a younger guy, I, I battled alcoholism and addiction for years. You know, by 1920, I ended up full-blown heroin addiction. You know, um, I grew up in a loving household in northern Baltimore City area called Roland Park, surrounded by private schools and colleges with loving parents who had great jobs and older brothers that loved me. Um, okay. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute, Jack. So sure. you're telling me that, that you're coming from a family of love and support and all of these wonderful things, and you still chose a different path. 1000%. Yeah. A very different okay. path than they would have chosen for me. Okay. Yeah. I just, uh, I just wanted were... that to be out there because there are people that come from all sure. different backgrounds that you're speaking to right now. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And it, and it can be a really common misconception that, and for some people, this is true for me. It wasn't that the way I was raised or how I was, how I grew up had something to do with why my life took the, the way that it did. You know, I didn't, my parents did everything that they could for me and tried to support me and love me every way that they could. Uh, I had some real darkness inside of me and I was really fueled, you know, by a life of chasing very simple, short uh, pieces and bits of relief. Uh, and mm -hmm. until I came to a real, a painful bottom with that, for a lack of a better term, or just a, a crossroads where it became very clear that if I, one, if I kept doing that, I was going to die. And then also, though, what happened to me is that I was able to step away from drugs and alcohol for a couple of years, but I never developed a relationship with a power source that could solve my problem. You know, I never found God. I never found any relationship with anything. That was, as you said, to begin this podcast, life-sustaining. And throughout the okay. years, go ahead, sorry. Let, let me ask you two questions because um, a couple of things just struck me. You said that you were able to step away from that for a couple of years. What was the, the motivation or the trigger that allowed you to step away? Right, and I should have said comma with a lot of help. <laughs> I was okay. able to step with, <laughs> including medical attention and long-term treatment. And I had a lot of help, you know, uh, I ended up in a medical detox and then in an inpatient facility. And then I went to a sober living home, uh, all in Hartford County, you know? Uh, so I had a lot of help, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't life sustaining. It was okay. again, it was again, a temporary fix, you know, a -Aid. um, absolutely on a femur fracture for lack of a better term. Okay. Not a femur is the biggest bone in our body. So <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> then the other second question to that was when you started in this journey, how were you introduced to heroin? I mean, we don't just wake up one day and say, Oh, I think I'm going to try heroin. Yeah. No. What was your influence? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I did not start. I did not wake up one day and just say that you're, you're totally right. Uh, as an early teenager, I was really, really interested. 
in partying. I was not so interested with the conventional path of like school and work and discipline. I was quite interested in living a very different, a different lifestyle. And over the years, the reality for me is that they, things just progressed from one to the next. And, uh, and eventually I ended up, you know, on, uh, on prescription painkillers that were not prescribed to me. Let me be very clear these, but you know, and eventually I became physically dependent upon them and naturally. Where, where did you get them from? Where did you just, find those? I mean, they're just different people that, you know, I've, previous junctures in my life were selling me different drugs and they progressed in their career. And, you know, I, uh, for lack of a better term and, you know, so it, you know, um, but again, I, I, I was, you know, I was buying them from whoever, wherever, whenever, but I was one of those younger guys that I really, it, whether it was drug, any drug, alcohol, anything to not feel what it was like to just be me alone in the world inside of my own mind. Mm, I was willing on. to you do. You just said something there that I think will probably resonate with a whole lot of people that are listening. You said that you didn't want to be alone with yourself. hundred percent. Where did that stem from? What were you afraid of in yourself? Yeah, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a really good question, you know, and, and there's honestly, Teresa, there's probably a lot of different answers to it. I'm going to give you the one that I understand from my experience and what I've come to see um, is that the biggest problem that I've ever had is that in my whole life, the biggest problem I've ever had has been uh, being alone with myself, by myself, of myself. Uh, and mm. that while, when living there in that place, controlled by my mind, run by my thoughts with no power that is flowing through me, no ability, no faith. Uh, that I am driven from that place uh, by lots of different fears, resentments, all kinds of different things um, to take actions to make myself feel better, whether it be food, drugs, sex, gambling, whatever it might be, money became one for mm -hmm. years, um, you know, until I found something that could solve that, which was driving the need for this relief, for this conscious separation from you from other people, from God, from the world really is how it felt. Uh, I was forced by that condition, by that feeling, by that separation uh, to chase easy for lack of a better, better way to put it. Yep. Okay. And so by going through that, and again, I know that you're talking to a lot of people and probably people that would never admit it openly like you are right now. So first of all, I do need to applaud your courage for sharing this because it, it is absolutely a journey and it's a journey every single day because once you're an addict, you're an addict. That's a fact. And that, that's my story. You know, I, I was addicted to cocaine and once you're an addict, you're always an addict. But what you were doing is you were filling a void and you were numbing the pain of being alone with you. 100%. And isn't that what we do? Right. It, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to face reality that maybe there's something going on here and I need to seek outside of myself what is going to benefit me. Because if, if you're getting involved in something that's not serving you, then it's not going to serve you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell yeah. me now, I mean, you've shared some some pretty deep things, but tell me where you are now and how that changed. To where you yeah. are today, because you've got a beautiful story of where you are today. 
Yeah. And, and the reality is, is that that wasn't the end for me. You know, that was the end of, of drugs and alcohol, you know, but then I separate from them and now I'm in the world. Now I'm 23, 24, 25, 26. And now I'm looking at every other false God that you could possibly find for me, namely relationships um, with women and money. This is now for the next five years until just mm-hmm. a few years ago, this is where my life goes. I'm sober. I'm trying to help people in sobriety, but my whole, but there's this whole piece of me that is still driven for the need to be applauded, for the need to be validated, for the need to have, now I need to make a name for myself. Now I need to make money for whatever I need. I need relationships and I'm, and I'm running through human beings the same way that I ran through bags of heroin and bottles of Jack Daniels. You know, they are now, they are now just other pieces that I'm using to make myself feel better for bits and blurbs of time. And eventually, you know, that, that, that also came to a crashing, burning halt, um, you know, uh, what of was my the own. wake up call? What was the wake up call there? Cause the you woman were womanizing. I'm now married to. Okay. Thank God for her. Let's just, we would need to give a plug. Let's give a plug to my wife, my hero. What is her first name? Cleo. Cleo. Thank you, yeah. Cleo. Yeah, really. She's a um, man. Yeah. It's hard for me to talk about that without crying. You know, cause I okay. live such a, I live such a different life um, for years. And I, I was in Los Angeles and I was, you know, driving a new Cadillac and I was trying to be somebody. And, mm. um, and I was convinced I was going to be single entrepreneur, California, LA man. And then here comes this, just this beautiful human being in every sense of the word. Um, just, you know, walked into my life. We met and, uh, and I, every four to six months, uh, I would leave. We dated for a year and a half. And every four to six months, I would, I would say, well, I need some time apart. I need to be single. I need to, I have stuff I need to figure out. And by the, by the third time of me doing this, um, uh, it was no longer going to happen with her. And she, she got really honest with me, uh, that, uh, how much she loved me, but also that if I was going to remain the man that I was, that she couldn't be with me and that she knew in my heart, I was not who I was acting as and the way I was living that she could see through all of it into my heart. And for some reason, God found that opportunity to crack open me and begin to transform our life from then until now, a couple of years later, man, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. It's humbling. It's humbling. What, what you've touched on uh, when you said every, you know, here you, you have found a woman who's going to love you for who you are, where you are, yeah. but she's going to love you. She loves you too much to leave you where you are, which is why she sort of gave you an ultimatum, <laughs> right? Yes, ma'am. For sure. And what I love about that story is that God uses other people to wake us up, which is clearly what he did with, with Cleo. Yeah. Right. She was sent to you for you to save you from yourself. But the point that you said every four to six months you left because you needed to figure things out. I have an idea what that was about. What do you think that was about from your perspective? I mean, you know, you got fear of commitment. You have, 
you know, just a mind that is unwilling to really believe that this is actually something that's going to happen or someone that I can actually be with this need to continue to drive for all these other things in my life. Um, you know, but I would love to hear what, what, what came to you. What came to me is that when you're used to living a life of chaos, when there's peace and serenity, you yearn for the chaos again. Yeah. And so you stir things up. I mean, you think about people who, you know, are getting along famously in their marriage and then all of a sudden there's all kinds of havoc. Right. And it's actually part of an addiction is wanting to feel that sense of chaos. I mean, it sounds crazy, but if everything's going really smooth, we don't know how to handle it. Yeah. We know how to handle chaos, but we don't know how to handle it when it's going smooth and there's peace. So we stir things up. But what you were sensing, Jack, is the need for love and acceptance, which is what our Father in Heaven has created us for. I mean, we were never meant to live alone. That doesn't mean that you can't be lonely because you can, but we're never alone. There's a complete difference between those two words. Um, but I think that your sense of calm and after her telling you from the third time that this isn't going to work for me anymore, I want you to kind of step on that for a second and tell me what finally woke you up to say, I don't want to lose her. Yeah, man. She said something in that conversation. So, so I hadn't talked to her in five weeks. I reached out. I said, Hey, I'm freaking out. I have no idea what's going on, which is what I said each time when I came back. Cause it was true. I didn't know what to do without her. I didn't want to be without her, but there I was again. And she says, Jack, you can call me at 6 PM. And I was like, what? That sounds a little <laughs> 6 PM. It's a little intense. You know what I mean? Like, but she was very clear, like some terms were getting ready to get set down. But so I called her and she said something on this phone call. She said that, you know, Jack, I can tell that everybody in your life around you is an angle. They're a profit motive, either benefiting you or you're paying them. And that the level of dishonesty in your life has you and your heart blocked off from being who you truly are. And even the people that love you the most are all starting to drift away from you. And I'm granted this time I'm six, seven, eight years sober. I'm not doing the way I used to, but just the the amount of ease that I was chasing and the blockage that was there. And for some reason that line, and then it, it, it just presented this moment of clarity where it was almost as if I sat there in my whole life, the dishonesty of my current work life, my past life, everything flashed in front of me like this huge movie screen. And I knew in that moment that I was about to have to walk away from about 95 percent of the things that I was doing in my life, where I was living, who I was living with, the way I was making money. And that's exactly what ended up systematically happening over the next year, year and a half. I mean, we live in Maryland now, you know, we don't live in California anymore. We've been here two years. We ended up getting married, but my whole life and every, almost everyone in it. Now I had honest conversations with these people, but after that, I systematically walked away from pretty much mm. everything that I was doing. So it's hard for me to answer that question without just saying, God, God is how that happened. I don't know how or why that moment, this conversation was the one where all of a sudden, boom, you know, now, and because it was very clearly he needed me to be useful for more of his children too. This is not a self-serving 
journey on this earth, right? You said at the beginning, this is about, we are here to serve others. And that whole experience has placed me and my wife in a position now to be in the community that we're in in Baltimore. I mean, it's just insane. It's the amount of lives that we have touched here now. And, uh, but yeah, the real answer is God. It really is. I mean, it really is. So to wrap this up, because, you know, I, I promised you that I would keep it to, to 30 to 40 minutes tops. And we usually lose listeners after that period of time anyway. Although you're very captivating. So I would be really surprised if somebody's not listening all the way to the end of this. So let's fast forward now to the life, the beautiful life that you're living right now. And two questions on that. One is, gosh, it was super easy, right? Once you decided, I'm going to stay with Cleo, I'm going to make this work. It's going to be really easy, right? It was easy. And then the second would be how you're using your experience to now serve your community. So if you could hit on those two points. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I'm blessed with, uh, with, uh, to have a partner that is willing to communicate, uh, 100% honestly about pretty much everything. Um, and our life has, um, it has been, it's a very honest relationship. I still, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as, I'm as flawed as, an, and as human as they come created that way by the same loving God that has blessed me with the life that I have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so our relationship is, but it is just beautiful. You know, it is just wonderful. And, and, and it has been, you know, there has still been some ups and downs. We got moved to Maryland because there were things I needed to clean up um, to get free from the way that, that I was living. Uh, you know, that we, we, and which meant my, my wife is from Northern California. She had to move her entire world to Baltimore, Maryland, you know, somewhere that she'd never been. So, so there has been things that have come. There has been ripples in the pond or the lake, uh, you know, but somehow, you know, both having a strong faith and being centered in other people more than ourselves and our own little plans and what we want. You oh, know, you're our preaching life, now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have just continued to. So it's just been a wonderful journey. And I pray that, you know, we remain honest with each other and willing to communicate and grow as a couple. I, I really do. Um, and serving our community Hold on. is. I, 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 sure. I got to ask you, okay? Yes, ma'am. We're talking coast to coast. We're talking 3,000 miles apart. Yes, we are. How did you get drawn to Baltimore? Well, I was born and raised here. Okay. Yeah. So and I was born and raised. you went out to LA to play yeah. around? I went out to LA to try and become a big shot, and God sat me down and sent me home to be with my okay. family and the people where He had me originally. Yep. Okay. He knew what he was doing. Really, um, I don't want to say sacrificed, but but she did in a sense to serve you. That's a good word. To come here, right? And that that's what marriage is all about. It's each for the other. It's each for the other. And so now, in your community, how are you serving in Baltimore? What are you doing for your community in Baltimore? So we're Baltimore. Balmer, hon. Yeah. So we're not only eating crab cakes, uh, although we do enjoy uh, like <laughs> crabs regularly, but we are, you know, we are, we are heavily entrenched in the recovery community uh, for sure. You know, uh, we are uh, also just serving my family that has, uh, that is a lot older that lives right around us. Uh, we are currently signed a contract and are trying to close September 6th on a home in Parkville. Um, and, uh, oh, you know, but, but that. yeah, yeah, but the, the reality is, as at, at this juncture, 
the greatest way that we are serving our community right now is to be involved in the recovery community and to be involved in some of the local drug and alcohol rehabs, both uh, co-ed women's and men's facilities and, and trying to help people get better and continue to talk to them about the power that has solved and saved our lives um, and try to be honest about that and help people walk, walk in that path, whether that is in a, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of different paths, right? And we're very, we're very supportive of many. We know that um, God is what has changed us and that we did not possess that power um, of ourselves. Amen. So I, I don't know if you have any closing comments. I have to say that, you know, because we really didn't talk in depth about any of this beforehand. So yeah. what you're sharing is, is the first time that I'm hearing it. And I am so grateful that, that my book is the one that sparked our conversation and our meeting. Uh, it, it's just a beautiful way, the, a beautiful thing, the way that the Lord orchestrates things. So whether you're a believer, whether you're a not yet believer, or whether you have some other type of faith, it doesn't matter. We all know that there is one creator and the way that he has created us is to do a work for him that only we can do. Whatever he has assigned us to do is as unique as our DNA. There's somebody that's waiting on the other side of our obedience. So whatever it is that we've been called to do, if there's something stirring in your heart, and this is for, for the entire audience, and you just keep trying to fill it with all kinds of things like we both have, doesn't have to be alcohol addiction, drug addiction, it could be a shopping addiction. It could be a food addiction, right? Doesn't matter. If you're trying to fill something and you don't have any peace, seek where you will find the peace. And I just, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your time. And I am mostly grateful for your testimony and your honesty. There's nothing better than somebody who is authentic to me when they're sharing their story. And I guarantee you that what you have shared, there are gonna be a lot of people reaching out. So you may be getting calls on your cell phone that have nothing to do with Brightstar. I hope so. I wouldn't be surprised. Cause I have a, I, we have a new employer and he is not in the third dimensional realm. So I, you know, we work for a power that is much greater than, than, uh, than what I do for my job. And I, I'm happy to take those calls anytime, day or night, any day, anywhere. So I really Amen. appreciate this opportunity. I really appreciate this opportunity. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And in closing, I would just say that, you know, play this back, folks, if you're listening to it, to the very beginning, so you can get the number for Jack if you want to reach out to him. And if you need any kind of promotional things, you can call him for that too. But <laughs> thanks again, Jack. And I'll tell you what, next time, I need to have Cleo on this podcast. We need to hear <laughs> the other side of the story. Yeah. So kind of plant that seed for me, Jack. We're going to stay connected. Uh, happy to. Happy to. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for, yeah, for thank you. joining us. All right. Have a good one. Okay. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.